0: What's up and good morning, everyone. Colin Morgan here and welcome to another episode of the Daily Grind Business Podcast, where I interview successful business owners and people five days a week in hopes to inspire the next great entrepreneur. Are you someone that has a great business idea but just can't seem to find the time to get it started? Are you in business and are struggling to take your business to the next level? Maybe you're someone that has got discouraged in the past and fears ever trying again. Listen, you're not alone. Starting, operating, and growing a business seems overwhelming and even impossible at times. But it's not your fault. You just haven't been taught properly. And you've been missing one secret ingredient which is helping thousands live the life of their dreams. This may surprise you, but it's a business plan. Join us live next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, where we will walk you through step-by-step how a simple business plan can take you from where you are to where you want to be. Visit the number 2 profitca slash I am ready. That is www.planthenumber2profit.ca slash I am ready. Hi everyone and thank you for tuning in to episode number 53 of the Daily Grind Business Podcast. Um, this is actually going to be part one of a two-part series and today we have with us a very special guest and dear friend of mine, someone who I grew up with, who moved on to bigger and better things, Spencer Thompson. Spencer Thompson is the founder and president of So Can You. Now So Can You is the world's leading career discovery solution. Its consumer-facing, ML-based career test and vast database of career info are visited by over 10 million people annually, 40% of whom are people who are in pre-college. Now, this career database provides always updating information, has almost 1,000 careers on it, which includes compensation, education and training, and satisfaction data at both national and state levels. Spencer is a very unique, amazing person, and he shares his story of how he got to where he is right now, and along the way, really shares his life and business philosophies that I know a lot of you are really going to enjoy, so tune in to part one. Tomorrow, we're going to come out with part two. Hope you enjoy the listen, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Now, everyone, please welcome to The Daily Grind a good friend of mine. We have Spencer Thompson in the house. Spence, what's up today, man?
1: Hey, Colin. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely, man. Super excited you're here. Um, now, for those people who are a little unfamiliar with you, if you don't mind, kind of sharing a little bit more about yourself, who you are, and what you do.
1: Sure. So, I'm. this is a little bit biased because I actually grew up with Colin. So, I grew up in Niagara with Colin. I'm, my house there is literally, what, two minutes away from yours? Yeah. So, we went to high school little together. Little
0: bike ride or a little car trip. Yep.
1: Yeah, so grew up in Niagara for 18 years, um, went to the same high school as Colin. We were doubles partners in tennis and badminton and everything else that we did in high school. Um, and then uh, Colin probably remembers this, but around the time that I, I was graduating, I started to think about Kind of this concept of what careers people choose to go into or don't don't go into. Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a physicist. I don't know if Colin remembers that or not, but yep. I, I really wanted to study physics. Turns out that I'm nowhere near smart enough to actually do that, so thank God I didn't. Um, but basically, started asking all of our friends, our mutual friends, what they were going to take in university. And in our class, at least from my my recollection, um, most kids wanted to take health sciences. At the same like basically either like Western or Guelph. And I started asking a few people, like, why are you wanting to take health sciences? And they said that the guidance counselor, who people would go and see, you know, in grade 12 because they were desperate to figure out what they wanted to do, would say that there's a lot of money in pharmaceutical sales. And so they would go home and tell their parents that, who would t- tell another parent that or tell their kids that. And you had this wicked domino effect where in our class you had, like, some very meaningful percentage of people that ended up taking health sciences at one of those two universities. And um, I think it's important for context for the listeners that – we grew up in like a very homogenous community in terms yeah. of career choice. So, like manufacturing slash like General Motors and Ford and subsidiaries were like what 80% of all all jobs in our, our region. It's really just a continuation of the Rust Belt. Yeah. So when 2008, 2009 happened, and there was a bunch of layoffs across you know the whole northeastern U.S., it kind of hit the same thing in in um, Niagara, including my dad. So. It, it was like this really interesting mix of people that led me to basically say, I think there's an interesting opportunity in looking at how people make career choice. And so, you know, decided to actually take a year off after high school, read 300 books or so on neuroscience and psychology and parenting, some weird, um, and became obsessed with human development that eventually led into the creation of um, So Can you, which I started in 2012.
0: Yeah, super cool. And we were actually good badminton, good tennis partners, weren't we?
1: We, uh, well, we skipped out on our Ontario finals for tennis, but I think we actually were ranked like top five in doubles. And then badminton is a little lower than that because there's some crazy kids, but we were fine.
0: Yeah, we were all right. And Spencer was one of those, you know, kids in high school where you're kind of like a unicorn, like you you don't meet too many people who are honestly, you know, very smart, intellectually smart and then good at sports and popular all at the same time like generally speaking the smart kids maybe are a little little weirder or the guys who are good at sports say like myself aren't as good as education like spencer got me through a lot of english history same with my dad (laughs) i I owe a lot of my like c plus b minus average to those two guys right there Um, yeah (laughs) but you were always one person that you know even in high school you were always thinking ahead Right. Like you weren't kind of stuck in where you are, which a lot of people were. Right, Mm -hmm. They're only focused on high school. Like I had no idea what I was going to do when I was 17, even what I was going to do when I was 18. But you always had that sort of little vision, like you were always looking for more. Right. Yeah. Looking further ahead. And when you kind of came up with that idea of So Can You and doing this, like talk us through the early days of kind of what you went through.
1: So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that what you just said is right. And I think that I was lucky that I had at least one parent that really encouraged me to, to think about, you know, the next 50 to 80 years and not just in the present um, and, and be just a lot of reading. Like, I think I get most of what either I know or pretend to know uh, from books. And so, you know, that was, that was a huge piece. Honestly, the first couple of years of So Can You were a tremendous struggle. So when I first started the business, I, I thought, oh, this is really cool. You know, starting a business sounds like a great idea. All these people at the time were carrying Blackberries around that were looking important at airports. I was just like, I wanted to be one of those people, as dumb as that sounds now. Um, And so I thought, okay, well, I I had this idea. And the original idea was to help people find their perfect career. And the reason was because the career tests that people take in high school and in college are usually really poor. They're kind of pen and paper based. They're kind of bubble sheety. You fill these things out. You get results. The results are from like the 1970s in terms yeah. of careers. People like really hate the experience. I thought there has to be a better way to do this. And I thought the the really easy way to do this is you just go and hire somebody to build your website. So that was like kind of base A. And you had to raise a little bit of money and then pay somebody to, to build your website. Well, it took me two years to find a person to, to help build the website. And one of the things that I had gotten advice on was, you know, you have to learn how to at least program a little bit in order to encourage and attract the right people. And I just ignored that advice for a long period of time because I, either through arrogance or something else, I just thought, you know, no, I can attract this person. And that just wasn't true. Um, and the second thing is when we started the business, um, I didn't know a single person outside of Niagara. Like I remember getting on the phone and cold calling people in San Francisco and Boston, DC, and, like, I had never been on the phone with somebody from yeah. that far away, as nuts as that sounds. And the person that really gave me a, a pretty big breakthrough was this guy named Andy Getze, who ran a PR firm um, called Atomic PR in San Francisco. And the reason I had found Andy is because, at the time, Mint.com was a really big deal. So, Mint.com had just sold into it or was about to sell to Intuit for, like, $170 million dollars. Um, Colin, I know that you know Noah. Noah's a yeah. you know the marketing person at Mint and kind of became famous because of the PR work that he had done. And so I actually read an interview with Noah and Aaron Patzer, who is the CEO, that said that we attribute almost all of our marketing success not to you know traditional marketing, but to PR. And our PR agency is atomic PR, and the person who reps us is called his name is Andy. And so I thought, oh, that sounds great, because one day, of course, I was like seven years too early, but I'm like, one day. When we need marketing help, I'll just go and do the same thing. So I cold called this guy. Little did I know this was the second largest technology (laughs) PR firm in America, and he was a really big deal. And for some reason, he answered the phone, and he gave me 20 minutes, and he said, oh, this sounds really interesting. I think I was 17 or 18 at the time. Um, Come down and see me. And so I went down with uh, my mom. I think your dad actually went on that trip. So this is also context. My first business advisor ever was Colin's dad, Paul. Yeah. So I used to go over to Colin's house all the time and Paul would give us advice. Actually, I actually think Paul came on that trip and we went to go see Andy and we met another guy, um, Peter, who became an advisor and then another guy from Mint, Anton, who used to run business development and for, they all were very nice and gave me the time of day and that really was the start of just trying to meet new people um, and that concurrently with just figuring out how to get the thing built was like a good two or three years and in between that, my my parents got separated which frankly should have happened a, lot, you know, a long time before that. I ended up moving to Vancouver um, in 2010 uh, and basically found an investor in late 2011 who ran a large psychology firm in Vancouver who really took a huge bet on me. So he gave me $300,000. I was, whatever I was, 20 years old at the time. We had no team. No real business plan. His wife told him not to do it. It was a lot of money for him at the time. And he said, for some reason, I feel like this is the right thing to do. And so he was really the reason why a lot of this got started. We still talk. and I, still, we, I had lunch with him two weeks ago. Like, he's still terrific. And that really kind of snowballed out the rest of the process.
0: You know, I love that story because like, you're 17, 18 years old, cold calling like, the second top PR firm in America, right? Yeah. And like a lot of kids and even adults out there who are older – like I can give that guy a call he's never gonna pick up the phone but until you actually go and pick up the phone and give him a call you don't know right and yeah I they-
1: was too ignorant I didn't I mean the thing is I would never I wouldn't do that today as crazy as that sounds I would be like too respectful and I would want to send a person an email we'll get an intro but I was just like naive and dumb and didn't know like I, I didn't know who this person was I couldn't tell it. I didn't know what the the landscape was like or the scene there's this whole scene in business as you know now as well but like there's there's things you do and don't do and at the time I just had no idea so
0: but I think that's actually a good I think more people need to do that right like, I agree yeah. like I think that just having that ignorance and that's why I think when you're a kid I think you we kind of lose that as we get older that ability to just have no to just be fearless right like just pick up the phone call the guy be ignorant to knowing that maybe you need an introduction or email him but you know what? You pick up the phone, you give them a call, and you're going to get in touch with a lot of these people that you never thought in a million years you would—they would even pick up the phone or or even talk to you, right? You say, "Hey, my name's Spencer." They're, they think you're just going to hang up,
1: right? Right, exactly. I mean, I, I also—we were talking about this before the the podcast started, but what Colin's done with this podcast too, I find remarkable. I mean, it's very hard to get. People that are very successful to carve out really it's about an hour of their time to come and talk, especially when you're an upstart and you don't have the traditional metrics that people want for you know basically promoting themselves, which is just raw distribution. And Colin has managed to get a ton of high quality people on this thing pretty early, and it's just it's the same process. It's hard, and it's a lot of hard work, um, but it's amazing how reciprocal people will be because there actually there's a bunch of good people out there, and I think that unless you try, you just don't know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just speaking a little bit about that, like at the beginning stages, of course, you're reaching out to these people and you're, you're almost shitting your pants a little bit, right? Like, yeah. you're like, ah, this? who am I to go call this person? But you know what, they're just regular people. And once you really understand that and get to get to realize that this guy may be making millions of dollars a year, he may have a super successful business, but he's just a regular guy. He's got a family. You know, he's really nice. He's into the same things that I'm into. Like, you know what? It's not, it doesn't become that big of a deal over time.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. There's also like this psychological trick that I try to play myself, which is the world tends to value people based on the wealth that they accumulate, which I think is like a very perverse way of thinking about it. Like whenever somebody says, oh, that person is super successful because of X, I'm like, mm-hmm. do you think that criminals are successful? Do you think that money launderers are successful? Do you think that drug dealers are successful? Because yeah, if you do, sure. like, if like if that is your actual metric, then you should think that, like, I think the guy who has actually accumulated the most liquid wealth ever in a year is Escobar. Like at his yep. peak, Escobar in like I think the fourth or fifth year of his empire made twenty one point eight billion dollars American personally. Oh, not that's not the investing, right? Yeah, not the. And it's like, okay, well, by that metric, that guy should be, like, everybody's hero. And he was to a large degree in Colombia. But um, I think that people take that that way too far. And I think that, like, when they reach out to people and they go, oh, that person is successful in this way or that way, like, you don't know what their life is like. Like, how, like the whole Weinstein thing that's happening right now with all these mm-hmm. men getting destroyed, which I think is obviously incredibly net positive, it's like all these people are rich and successful, quote, unquote, by everybody's metric, but they're actually all screwed up and so there's like like the point that you make that people are just people it's like that's absolutely true and i think what i found in in my short career so far is that there's almost an inverse curve like the higher up you go um, in a lot of ways the worse some people get yeah. and and you it's like the whole quote of like don't meet, don't meet your heroes i found that to be true over and over again like when people build up an online persona of who they are and they like are very careful to curate what they say and what they don't say when you meet that person in, in person and they're completely deaf and you're like, "You're those people are just so inauthentic. It's the people that you meet and they're exactly the same no matter if they're with their husband or wife or with an investor or with their friends. Those are true people. Everybody else is kind of just like putting on a little act and at some point they end up getting caught.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know, even when I was a kid and I was idolizing golfers, I remember going to a PGA Tour golf event and meeting some, I'm not going to mention his name, but I met someone who you know, you think it's a really nice guy, you know, he's got to be receptive to me. And he just like walked right by the whole crowd of people when everyone else would go through and, you know, sign autographs and stuff like that. And it's like, I wish I wasn't there. You know, (laughs) I wish I never had that experience because now I look at him completely differently.
1: Right, exactly.
0: And I think a lot of people now, especially like going to 2018, there are hundreds of people out there who are online who kind of, have this persona of being super successful and driving Ferraris and stuff like that. But what kind of, like, not using the money metric, what do you look at, like, when, when you're looking at someone that's successful? Like, what do you focus on?
1: Uh, so I think it's, like, a complicated question. I'm trying to think a lot about this. Um, so I think, like, people that drive Ferraris and and flaunt their money, like, have a huge part of their, I mean, you can use the word soul or something else, like, character, is just missing. Like, I think that making money is so, like, First dimensional, that it really is almost pathetic to me sometimes, and people just use that as their only metric of success. So, like when you think about the world as a whole, so people tend to ignore the fact that there's things outside of North America, but there's whatever there's 7.3 billion people on the planet. Yeah. If you start to cut that number down by people that have opportunity, you pretty quickly understand that, like, the percentage of people who actually have the ability to make their own cognitive decisions and live the life that they want to live is sub 1% of that population. If you start to cut by any different metric, whether yeah. that's uh, the poverty that they're born into or disabilities that they have or not being born into a war-torn country or not being refugees or having cognitive ability, like whatever it is, you get to this like minuscule number. And the thing that I always blows my mind is that you have nothing to do with where you're born. You don't make that decision. Unless you believe in something different religiously, which I respect, most people would say, I didn't choose my parents. This is just random luck. And so by that metric, there is a one in whatever five billion or seven billion chance that you were born in Niagara and not born in Yemen. And to me, it's like that is the most twisted part of humanity, period, is that based on this thing that you have no influence over, it basically dictates the rest of your life. And so you feel like you earn and you deserve all these things you actually have nothing to do with. It's the same thing about people being racist or sexist. Like yeah. nobody chooses to be black or chooses to be Indian or anything else. They they are born the way that they are and you know, they get inherently judged for it. There's lots of, you know, difficult sociological reasons why that that is, but for me success is if you can look past the piece, you start to get into like, you know, basic stuff like Maslow's hierarchy. I actually think it's like pretty accurate where you start to go, okay, if you can take care of basic human needs, you have a roof over your head, you have food, there's education, there's healthcare, you move on to the next level, whether that has to do with your kids or some kind of you know, fulfillment in your life, when you reach the top of that and you do have a stable income and you do have wealth generation and you do have happiness, to me your only purpose in life is to make the world more equal for those who don't have it. Because all, the only question I ask people is, if you were born in the other version of you, what would you want the other version of you to be? And most people don't think about that, and so they live their lives in this, like, purely consumer way, but, like, if your only outcome when you die is that you just consumed your whole life, and you just used the resources that are in the world, like, to me, that's just, like, pathetic, and I'm, like, very extreme on this. Like, I, I actually, I think that people that, most people that are in the, like, very wealthy bracket are incredibly hedonistic, are incredibly selfish, and I think that it's, like, a poison on the world that needs to be fixed.
0: Yeah, you're, you're so right. And, and I love that because actually, um, I think I, I, I wrote an article recently about that, how like the most successful people that I've talked to and say the entrepreneur space, they're not necessarily concerned, like someone like yourself, you're not concerned with making a billion dollars, right? Like they're more focused on leaving a legacy or impacting others in a positive way or being able to change the world to make it a better place or make life easier, more enjoyable, kind of like setting the foundation for which others can build on. And when they do that, they're more focused on just getting better every day, right? Yeah, not exactly. Not going out there and screwing someone over for money. They're just worried about, I got to get up and I'm going to get better. I'm going to get more healthy today. I'm going to make a better experience for my customers. I, I want to just take one step up on that success ladder of life and that's all they're really trying to do. And then you you actually look at it and you look at the most influential people out there because I think there's a lot of people who make money and that people kind of look and idolize and there's people who actually make it who are influential mm-hmm. and I think that's more of their message. Like you look at someone like Oprah, right? Like she's yeah. not interested in accumulating wealth. She's just trying to make the world a better place
1: right exactly and i love opera that's probably why i use the example but yeah yeah no i i completely agree um like i i think that for, for whatever reason and you can chalk this up to parenting or chalk, chalk this up to education or whatever else like i think that the culture i think that like cultures have philosophies that tend to like govern the way that they think about things yeah and so like in ancient greece We used to, when we were 12 or 13 years old, you actually had to pick and adopt a life philosophy. And that's like how, so if you were a Stoic, you would adopt Stoicism and you'd go and live your life in that certain way. And in the absence of that, you kind of just absorb a philosophy that is kind of given from the culture that you exist in. And in in North America, largely, that's a culture of hedonism. And so people are all optimized. I mean, this is just Instagram and all these things just... Personify all of these things. It's just like mimicry theory like we look at people and go I want to own that thing that that person owns because that person is good-looking or that person is wealthy or That person is whatever else and when you exponentialize that it becomes incredibly negative for the world so you're right there there are people that have seen beyond that and You know people like Bill Gates or Oprah or Howard Schultz or anybody else that yes, they're successful you have to take care of yourself along the way and you have to get better because if you don't take care of yourself and you don't get better, you're not going to have any impact, um, and you're not going to be personally fulfilled, and that's really important. You have to like fill that base layer, but there is stuff beyond that. And I would say that people have to be very careful because no matter whether you're worth five dollars or hundred dollars or a hundred million dollars, you basically govern your life in a certain way that has like you basically live out the values of your life, and whether that influences one person or five people or a hundred million people, that's largely due to the amount of wealth that you have. Um, but either way, you're having a huge impact on people. And so I think that if you teach the people around you that it's okay to be hedonistic and consumery and selfish, then that starts to permeate culture. And I think the opposite is also true. So I'd love to see the world shift back towards thinking about other people. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think that's probably a little altruistic and naive, but, um, that's my hope.
0: Hey, everyone, Colin here, and that is the end of part one of today's podcast. Really hope you enjoyed it. Um, I know I really sure did enjoy listening and and creating this podcast for you all. Spencer's an amazing person, like I had said. Make sure you come out tomorrow for uh, part two of this series. Spencer shares some more great insight, information. You're not going to want to miss it. So until next time, everyone, again, Colin Morgan signing off, and always remember to keep on grinding.